Welcome to Two Girls. Two Girls. One Ghost. One Ghost. I like how awkwardly we stared at one another and waited for someone to say something. Who's going to say something? Who's going to start? Is there a lag? Are we going to speak at the same time? Who's going to go first? Who knows? Corinne, you went first. I did. We are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. I'm Sabrina. And we have a spooky, fantastic show for you about something that I've never heard. And I'm really excited to hear about it. Thanks, Corinne. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm not even sure. Can I take credit for this? I don't remember where I I found this topic. But it, we will be discussing in a short time the Bear Lake Monster. Oh. <laughs> I love just like when you hear a name of a monster without knowing the context, without knowing what it is, what my brain fills in. Right. I was thinking there's a bear monster around the lake, but Bear Lake is the name of the lake and then there's a monster within the lake. Exactly. And that actually makes me think of melon heads. Oh, yeah. Because when you actually shared that story, it's so different than <laughs> what it sounds like. Melon heads. <laughs> it's super sad. I mean, they say don't judge, don't judge a book by its cover, no. don't judge a cryptid by its name. Oh, yeah. Also, I finally watched the movie Megan. I watched three scary movies on my way back from Cabo because I was there for Nikita's wedding. Tell me everything. I watched Megan. I thought Megan was... Okay. It was exactly... Actually, it was a little bit... It was better than I expected. I definitely thought it was going to be way dumber. And I thought it was good. I really liked it. Yeah. You and I have, have already found that we have different feelings towards Knock at the Cabin because we talked about this on Patreon Live yeah. when we did Summer Solstice. I loved that movie. I bawled my eyes out. Now I want to read the book, Cabin at the End of the World, which it was based on. I loved that movie so much. So that was another movie that I watched. I will say, okay, so so when we talked about it on Patreon Live, I think I was very like strongly like, oh, I did not like it. And I slept on it, Corinne. And I would like to... You recant your statement? No, I'm not going to recant it, but more just like... Tonally, I didn't mean like, oh my God, I hate it. I never like don't recommend it to anyone. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I like like I enjoyed it as a movie, but just felt like I didn't love it. It's basically yeah. it. like I okay. I think the concept was amazing and I love M. Night Shyamalan. So there's like I think already like a little bit of a bias of yeah, I, I like his movies, but which, you know, it's hit or miss, you know, something he takes big risks and there's a lot of, a lot of his movies are all, they're odd, they're creepy, yeah. they're unsettling, but all in very different ways. And so they can strike a chord with you and really like pull on your heartstrings for some people. And then for others are just like, that was a little too different for me. And I also feel like maybe this is the, what I'm searching for. In relation to all of the other M. Night Shyamalan movies, this is not my favorite. It's not my least favorite, but it is not my favorite. I think the the one where they all get old, old on the beach. Old. I feel like that was my least favorite. Me too. It had such potential. It was odd. I also watched the newest Scream movie. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. I want to. Excellent. It's just so well done. You know what's going to happen every time. 
You know the killer is going to phone and be like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and yet it's still really enjoyable to watch. I love that. I think that movie franchise is one of the best horror movie franchises. But it leads me to, to state to everyone that Sabrina and I have put together a paranormal, ghostly, horror reading slash watch list for the summer. Because remember when we were all kids and your teacher would be like, oh, if you want to participate in this, here's your reading list for the summer. And if you complete all the readings, you get this special ice cream when you come to the first day of school or whatever. <laughs> we're doing that. We're going to give a list and everyone can watch and read those movies and read the books, I guess, so that there's a little bit for everybody. So some might be paired with different activities to do. It's kind of like our little summer spooky bucket list. And so if you're on Patreon, I'm sure you've already seen it. And everyone else here, head on over to our Instagram if you're not a patron or join our Patreon to see and to follow along with us. Be spooky this summer because it's not hot girl summer. It's spooky girl summer. It's spooky girl summer. It's spooky girl all year round. Let's just say. It totally is. But being spooky girls, sometimes we theorize and ask questions and wonder about things. And can I play a voice note that I received that's about 45 seconds long? I asked some questions. You did too when it came to our Boston Strangler episode a couple of weeks ago about what 99.9% .9 DNA match means. And I received a voice memo from Daniel, my good friend Allison's husband, who is a doctor. So... Okay, I got really nervous, Corinne, as you were leading into this because you were talking about like being spooky and us theorizing and you said a voice memo you got. Like I oh. truly was picturing <laughs> like a voice memo appearing on your phone and it being like a ghost it's or possessed. a voice record. Okay. No, no, no. We're okay. not possessed. Ooh. We just are going to be a little bit smarter well, maybe. after this. <laughs> okay, this is this is from Daniel. Just uh, This is like a quick corrections corner for us. Not really quite. Corrections. It's just phone a friend and we got an answer. Hi, Corinne. This is Daniel. So Allison uh, brought to my attention a question about DNA base pair matching. So she says that apparently someone had a DNA test and it was 99.9% .9 match of the DNA sequence to this person. Well, that would imply that, for instance, for every thousand base pairs, 999 of which were exactly the same, one of which was not. And that could be for a number of reasons, particularly whenever you have a cell duplicating itself. Not every cell is exactly the same copy. You get minor errors in duplication in the, the DNA and RNA machinery. And that's, for instance, the basis of cancer, for instance. The reason you get cancer is some, for instance, a tumor check gene that gets copied wrong and it makes an error and it can no longer do its job. That's just what happens naturally in terms of uh, cell replication. That is not the same as saying that there's a 99.9% .9 chance that this is the same person in the population, for instance, those are two different statistics and they mean different things. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. So yeah, so he did it. So th that means it was him. Yeah, it was okay. him. It was just like a mutated- For that one case. Sample, yes, exactly. It basically means 100%, it was definitely this guy. It was just apparently hit the original sample and the sample they collected much later from his grave had some sort of small cell mutation, the smallest amount that made it 99.9 .9 rather than a 100% match. I am curious. Now I have more of a scientific question and we're going to turn into a, a, a podcast where we just ask Daniel medical Send questions. him a voice, a voice memo. We speak to him. Yeah. Through, he has to listen Send to the him. episode and then he has to text a voice memo and that's how it works. He sends us a voice memo. It's like a two-week delay between each answer. It does make me wonder how, like in terms of, 
cell mutation and replication. What is the, the, like, what, what am I thinking? Like percentage anomaly that can exist and has existed. Like if a cell replicates and yes, there are some differences based on like the mutations and whatnot, how, how extreme can that get? Like if a cell replicates and is like, why? Like that, yeah, anyway, I don't know if I'm wording it properly, but maybe Daniel will know and we should uh, send him this and ask and find out. I know. We'll sit down with him. We'll ask him all the questions. We'll be like, you're a doctor. You have to remember <laughs> all of these facts. You know. This is the thing. I just want to be able to sit down with experts in so many different fields and just pick their brain. There's a podcast and that exists kind of what and it's Ward called Allergies. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, <laughs> Allie Ward does this. <laughs> But I want to, I want to sit down with people, you know, I just, I just yeah. want to learn. Uh, I, I feel you on everything. Tell us everything. We want to learn everything. Oh, I, oh my God. I can't believe I haven't told you this yet. Corinne. Okay. When I was in New York, I stopped at the Chelsea hotel, which you, I think had covered. Have you? News to me. Maybe if I did. Okay. If not, I'm going to. I'm going to cover it because it is so haunted and it's so cool. There's so much history. Basically, it's this famous hotel in New York City, and it's right next to the Gotham Comedy Club, which remember we played and we were asking people if it was haunted and they were like, no, no, no. It is literally connected to the most haunted (laughs) building in this city. So it's definitely haunted. It's where Sid murdered like Nancy, Sid and Nancy. Um, it's, It's like a very tragic, a lot of really horrific deaths and suicides happened in this hotel, but it was a beautifully spooky hotel. The few photos you took of it and sent. It's really stunning. Gothic, ornate, beautiful. Yes. And it was like known as this like artsy musician type of place to stay. Like a lot of people would have residencies in there for like temporary time periods, but it was just like If you were in the art scene, it was a place to be seen, if that makes sense. Anyway, we went for drinks there. Something just fell from a window and... Alien? uh, Spaceship? Check your backyard. I would love, would love. There's no backyards in LA. What are you talking about? Um, (laughs) Check your cement wall, quick. (laughs) Check your cement wall. Check your cement alley. But okay, so we went for a drink there and immediately I asked like, everyone for their ghost stories. And it's really cool. There's a hotel lobby bar and it's beautiful. It's stunning. It kind of reminds, it has me like, it has like the Stanley hotel from the shining, like old vibes carpet. Yes. Carpeted, but like very ornate, very detailed architecture, like carved wood and, um, beautiful chandeliers and old furniture, like moody lighting. So every single person I was encountered with, I asked for ghost stories. And the first one I asked the hostess and she was like, I honestly, I'm newer here. So I don't have a ton of it. I don't really have experiences. Like there's definitely an energy here. How can people join a job that seems so spook, like in such a spooky spot and not immediately ask, is this place haunted? Some people don't want that. Some people just want a job. (laughs) Yeah. Work peacefully without the ghosts around. But she said that a lot of her coworkers had stories. So I, of course, start asking every one of her coworkers. And this one man was like, oh, you should go check out the bathrooms downstairs. Like people hear women crying. There's so much that's happening down there. And so I went down to the bathroom and I recorded a video of myself in there. 
Um, I didn't see anything or hear anything. When you flush the toilets, though, like it screams, like moaning Myrtle screams. Really? And I think it's just the old piping. Did you get yeah, it? old plumbing? Did you get it on video? I didn't get that part of the uh, video because... We'll have to go back. I know the first time I went, I went by and I was like by myself and I didn't go to the bathroom. I really just went to go find a ghost. And so I didn't flush the toilet then. And then I went back a second time to actually use the bathroom. And when I flushed the toilet, I was like, ah. <laughs> but what if you think it's the plumbing, but actually there's like some some haunting stuck in the pipes. And really just every time someone flushes, a ghost screams a little bit because they're just so horrified. At That's so sad. What's coming down. Ah, yuckiness. Like, what did you do? No. What have you leave, left here? It's the screams of all the goldfish that never quite made it. Oh, RIP. Oh, actually, let me grab something real quick because the guy at the front desk, I think his name was Eric. He gave me this one second. Okay. He gave me a sheet. Okay. So basically I go over to the front desk and there's beautiful stairwells and you can, it's one of those places where you can see the stairs all the way up to the top and they start in the lobby. So you can look up and you see like the center of all the stairwells. It's like so cool. But right above the front desk, there's this net. And they had to put that there because unfortunately throughout the history of the hotel, a lot of people would jump. And so they have this net there, one, to hopefully prevent people from doing so and then to protect the people working the front desk. But I asked Eric, I was like, is this place haunted? And he was like, oh, 100%. And I was like, do you have any experiences? And he was like, he was like, yeah, I have a ton. And he was saying that in the, so it's still kind of under construction in the wing where the Sid Vicious room where Nancy, where he murdered Nancy is, it's still under construction. But he said that wing specifically has a lot of hauntings. Oh, sorry. His name is Kenny. I wrote this down. See, I'm glad I wrote it down. Okay. So it was on his first week, the doors, the elevator opened and he heard like a ding and he looks over to it and he sees a shadow walk out like a shape of a man, like dark shape walk out and he kind of did a double take and all of a sudden poof the shadow's gone elevator doors are still open the shadow is gone so ghosts are still riding the elevator right i wonder where they were trying to go i don't know down to the lobby i guess and then out right and i do i do wonder did this happen before just without seeing the shadow and people just assumed the elevator was being finicky or someone called it and walked away and perhaps this ghost is riding the elevator more than they know yeah, it's very possible. Ooh, what if you walked into the elevator and you didn't realize you were standing right next to a ghost until a shadow passed by? Until you the left. doors are closed? Because you're on your phone. You're like, do, 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 Doors are closed. And then there's like a little flicker. You look over, you smell a little sulfur. Stuck, stuck in there with them. A there's a horror movie about smoke. that. That's amazing though. That's... Well, there, there's more too. Oh. Some of the employees in the bar said that there are reports of people screaming in the walls. And guests will report, like call down to the front desk and be like, oh my gosh, someone's screaming. There's no one in, staying in the room next to them. I also, I, I don't know if you haven't done an episode on it. I truly have um, Kenny from the front desk printed out this document and it's all of the rooms and hauntings that guests have reported. Okay. Well, even if I did do it, I definitely didn't have this information. So I think you need to do this. I will. We need a redo. That is so cool. Oh my God. Imagine not knowing that it was haunted and then finding out and someone being like, oh, there's one haunted room or whatever. And you go up and you're like, what's, he, he hands that sheet and you're horrified to find out that your 
not only in the haunted room, but even if you changed rooms, the likelihood of you being in another haunted room is high. It is very high. But this is the hot tip. Basically, if you know you're in a haunted hotel or even if you don't, just ask the front desk and ask all the employees, is this place haunted? Have you ever experienced anything haunting here? Because I'm not kidding where every single person I asked acknowledged the hauntings. That's actually an extremely high statistic because I feel like, well, I guess maybe here it makes sense then if they're, if they have a printout sheet ready to go, sort of like the Omni Parker house in Boston. But I feel like some places are so weird about it and they're like, uh, uh. But it wasn't ready to go. That's the thing. Oh, it wasn't? They weren't, like the sheet's not ready to go. He had to like go into his system and print it. Like they keep it internally. They keep a record of it. (gasps) How But they don't out, like they would never post that online. They would never, yeah, they don't like advertise it. You have, you have to do an episode on this. We have to make sure Kenny gets to keep his job. no longer invisible. No, no. In (laughs) fact, you're getting... You're getting bonus content, making up for all the years that you felt invisible. <laughs> and Kenny, shout out to Kenny. If uh, shout this, out to Kenny. If the Chelsea Hotel management is upset with him, we're upset with you for being upset with him. So leave him alone. He did a, he did us a solid. It sounds like they're not like told don't talk about it because every single person I asked did talk about it. You know, it's not like- <laughs> and they all have a sheet where they're collecting their ghost stories. They all get fired because of this podcast. <laughs> no, no, I think they're fine. We'll buy it and we'll, we'll investigate. I mean, okay, yeah. Do you have a lot of money? <laughs> Where's this money coming from? Does it grow on trees? I wish. I'm not even saying I will. I do. I do. I do. I have money. Great. It comes to me. I do. Okay. Well, I'm really excited to hear about a monster. Oh, yes. And this is an exciting one because it's very reminiscent of when we were sitting down with Ash and Elena from Morbid and talking about Champ, the sea monster from Lake Champlain. And it's also quite like the Loch Ness Monster, but it's in Utah, Utah and Idaho. Utah residents were rattled when in 1868, an article was published in the Deseret News announcing the existence of a strange and serpent-like creature inhabiting the waters of Bear Lake, which sits on the border of Idaho and Utah. Oh, Utah State University has, okay. I, I was thinking about one strange thing because we, when we were doing our collab with them, they were talking about going into archives and doing all this research. And I kind of did that with this, which excited me a lot because I, so there's a special collections and archive hosted from, and like pull, put together from the Utah State University. I don't know why I said the Utah, Utah State University. Uh, and it's just a, full of articles and interviews and various materials about the Bear Lake monster. They have a whole collection on it. So I was digging through the newspaper articles. I was reading all these excerpts. Um, And this area, I will say, is very Mormon too. So a lot of what was in these articles also brought in a lot of those beliefs as well. But I found the original newspaper article. It's a little long, but I'm going to read you the entire thing. Oh my gosh. Is there a picture of it? Like can you can you share this link with everyone? Oh, I'm sure I can find the link. Yeah, I'll, I'll grab the link again. Okay, because I love how old newspapers look. Like I love seeing photos of them. Yeah, me too. But anyway, I will sit back and listen. I'm very excited. Okay. Yes. This article says, quote, All lakes, caves, and dens have their legendary histories. Traditional loves to throw her magic wand over beautiful dell and lakes and people them with fairies, giants, and monsters of various kinds. Bear Lake has also its monster tale to tell. And when I have told it, 
I will leave you to judge whether or not its merits are merely traditionary. Oh, I'm paraphrasing here. Native people, I'm going to change that word out. The native people say there is a monster animal which lives in the lake that is captured and carried away native people in the lake swimming. But they said it has not been seen by them for many years, not since the buffalo inhabited the valley. They represent it as being this kind of serpent kind, but having legs about 18 inches long on which they sometimes crawl out of the water a short distance on the shore. It almost sounds like a massive caterpillar. Right. Yeah. Or I was thinking almost like a salamander or something. Like it's slimy and crawls. But yeah, they have many legs. So you're right. Well, no, they have... I don't know how many legs they have, but they're 18 inches long. They're long legs. They also say it spurts water upwards out of its mouth. Since the settlement of this valley, several persons have reported seeing a huge animal of some kind that they could not describe, but such persons have generally been alone when they saw it. But little credence have been attached to the matter. And until this summer, the monster question had about died out. About three weeks ago, Mr. S.M. Johnson, who lived on the east side of the lake at a place called South Eden, was going to the Sound Valley Settlement, six miles to the south of this place, when about halfway, he saw something in the lake, which at the time, he thought to be a drowned person. The road being some little distance from the water's edge, he rode to the beach, and the waves were running pretty high. He thought it would soon wash into the shore. In a few minutes, two or three feet of some kind of animal that he had never seen before was raised out of the water. He did not see the body, only the head, and what he supposed to be part of the neck. It had ears of bunches on the side of its head, nearly as large as a pint cup. Ears of bunches? Like, does that mean like multiple ears? I don't know. I was thinking like little cauliflower ears. I'm not sure. Maybe a bunch of holes or something? Gills? I don't know. The waves at times would dash over its head when it would throw water from its mouth or nose. It did not drift landward, but appeared stationary with the exception of turning its head. Mr. Johnson thought a portion of the body must lie at the bottom of the lake or it would have drifted with the action of the water. This is Mr. Johnson's version, as he told me. The next day, an animal of a monster kind was seen near the same place by a man and three women who said it was swimming when they first saw it. They've represented as being very large and it swam much faster than a horse could run on land. So these things are fast. That's so fast. fast. These recent discoveries again revived the monster question. And those who had seen it before brought in their claims anew. And many people began to think that story was not altogether moonshine. On Sunday last, as N.C. Davis and Alan Davis of St. Charles and Thomas Slight and Jay Collings of Paris with six women. I love how the women don't even get names. It's just like all these men and six women. I, I hate that. Always like that. Why is <laughs> no. it always like that? Ugh. Gosh, okay. damn it. Okay. So all these, all these men and six women were returning from Fish Haven when about midway from the latter place named to St. Charles, their attention was suddenly attracted to a peculiar motion or wave in the water about three miles distant. The lake was not rough, only a little disturbed by a light wind. Mr. Slight said he distinctly knew the sides of the very large animal that he supposed to not be less than 90 feet in length. So he thought it was 90 feet long. How big is this lake? Uh, it's big. I'll tell you, I have some statistics in a, in a minute. Okay. But it's not, it's not small. It's not like a pond or something. You're just going to like 
kayak across. Yeah, because 90 feet is just long. So I was like, I, I just yeah, wonder how. It's, it's okay. got the width, but does it have the width and the depth and the length to have a creature that long go unnoticed right. for so long and never been seen or captured? Not really. Your your video, I don't know if it captured it, but your video just like totally like flashed. I saw it. <laughs> I was ignoring it. It scared me. Sometimes I feel like you and I both ignore it. Don't bring it up. So there's probably so many times it happens that we both see it, but don't acknowledge it. Maybe we should just start acknowledging it. Call it a tech issue and move on. If there's a spirit here, I'm sure they'll find another way to be known. But also, please, we're setting intentions. Only good spirits here. Only good spirits here. Do not harm us. Yeah. Okay, back into the story. Mr. Davis don't think he saw any part of the body, but it must have been not less than 40 feet in length. Judging by the wave it rolled upon both sides as it swam and the wake that it left in the rear. It was going south and all agreed that it swam at the speed almost incredible to their senses. So this is another group of eyewitnesses who all were like, this thing is so fast, so fast. Mr. Davis says he never saw a locomotive travel faster and thinks it made a mile a minute easy. In a few minutes after the discovery of the first, a second one followed in its wake, but seemed to be much smaller, appearing to Mr. Slight about the size of a horse. A large one, a baby all, one, and six small ones had southward, headed southward out of sight. Yes, mama and baby her baby monster and her six babies. Baby monsters. I want a book called Baby Monster. I'm sure there is. We have Baby Witch and Baby Monster. Baby Witch and Baby Monster. One of the large ones before disappearing made a sudden turn to the west a a short distance, then back to its former track. At this turn, Mr. Slight said that he could see distinctly its brownish color. They could judge somewhat of their speed by observing known distances on the other side of the lake and all agree that the velocity with which they propelled themselves through the water was astonishing. They represent the waves that rolled up on the front of each side of them as being three feet high from where they stood. So this thing is creating a three foot high wake in its surface as it moves quickly through the ocean or the ocean. It's not even ocean. It's a lake. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. And I know you're going to share a lot more information. Yeah. It's a lake, but here's what I'm thinking, because clearly if, if this is occurring, if this creature, this monster surfaces often, this would be a a known thing. Like people would be like, oh my gosh, the waves, like there shouldn't be waves. Why are the waves so high? And like, that would be, I think, commented on quite a bit. So what I'm thinking is mama, she, her babies are at a certain age that she's like, okay, today is the day that I will show you what is upon the surface. But you must know that after today, after you see it, you must never ever return to the surface due to safety concerns that this is like a, I'm going to show you, we're going to do it supervised and oh, interesting. this is part of life, but it's like the way that they, we they will f- remain fly from the nest. It's like, see what's around, go back down underneath mm-hmm. and don't return for safety reasons until those grow up, have babies of their own and do the same thing. So that's why we get sightings every two, three, 10 years. They just want to be where the people are. I was thinking of Ariel, the little mermaid this whole time too. I'm like, they tried to send Ariel to the top and be like, look, they're so scary. And it didn't work. So maybe one of these little baby lake monsters will be like, I don't know. Picnicking on the beach looks so nice. And just (laughs) crawl on up. I want to build a sandcastle. I want to be where the people are. You don't. 
stay in the depths. You don't. Well, we don't know what the depths bring. Maybe it's worse down there. I don't know. I want to be where the creatures are. I want to be where the creatures are. Where the cryptids are. (laughs) Okay. This is substantially their statement as they told me. Davis and Slate are prominent men, well known in this country, and all of them are reliable persons whose veracity is undoubted. I have no doubt that they will be willing to make affidavits to their statements. There you have the monster story so far is completed, but I hope it will be concluded by the capture of one sometime. If so large an animal exists in this altitude and in so small a lake, what could it be? It must be something new under the sun, the scriptural text to the contrary notwithstanding. Is it fish, flesh, or serpent, amphibious and fabulous, or a great big fish? (laughs) (laughs) Or what is it? Wait, can you say that part again? (laughs) Is it a fish? Flesh or serpent, amphibious and fabulous, or a great big fish. <laughs> amphibious and amphibious fabulous. Amphibious and flabious. Wait, amphibious and fabulous. and fabulous. That is the most incredible. That's what, that's the daily affirmations that mermaids write on their mirrors. Amphibious, amphibious and fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> amphibious. It also sounds like a spell. It's it amphibious. <laughs> Fabulous. While doing the cauldron. Amphibious and fabulous. Great big fish. Is it flesh or fish (laughs) or serpent? (laughs) Is it friend or foe? We do not know. And we don't know what this thing is either. He writes, give it up, but have hopes of someday seeing it. If it really exists, and I have no reason to doubt the above statements, here is an excellent opportunity for some company to bust Barnum on a dicker for the monster. (laughs) That's some old local phrasing. If they can only catch one. Already some of our settlers talk of forming a joint stock arrangement and what they can do to the business. I have already extended this letter beyond the limit I designed. The health of the people is good and everything satisfactory. Signed, JCR. JCR. I love your approach to this story. I know. I'm pretty sure his name is Joseph. I wrote it lower down, but JCR. Yeah. He's like, here's a bunch of reputable people that have recently seen a monster. And we previously heard that there was a monster, but the locals said that the monster hasn't been here for a long time. So we didn't think anything of it, but now people are seeing it. So maybe we should start talking about this again. (laughs) And I appreciate that approach. Yeah. So in this Mormon settlement, and the author is also Mormon, by the way, People were first warned by the Shoshone people of this monster's existence, like JCR had said, because they too had many encounters with it. But first, I want to take a moment to compare the Loch Ness monster and Champ, the lake monster from Lake Champlain, and now this monster in Bear Lake. And we can see if things are maybe adding up. First of all, all three are super old, formed during the last ice age with glaciers carving out the valleys and the ice melting and and la-di-da forming these lakes. Bear Lake is thought to be in the top 50 oldest lakes today. So it's super old. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So that's, I feel like that's checkmark right now. It has like a green, that's a pro. It's a confirmation that this could potentially have some monsters or old dinosaurs. Loch Ness gets up to 788 feet deep. Lake Champlain is about half of that at 400 feet deep. And then Bear Lake is half of that, 209 feet at its deepest. So that seems kind of shallow for a lake monster. 
also, if this thing is 90 feet in length, it can like, it's, I mean, that's pretty massive in compared comparison to the depth. Like it's, it's half of that basically. So you would think that people would encounter this thing a lot more, see it. I don't know. It's also another thing with all of these is because of the rain, because of the terrain and just the things in the dirt and the sediment, these aren't crystal clear lakes. It's not like you're going to Lake Tahoe and you can see the bottom of it. Like it is also very murky. And the chances of this going upright, like completely vertical is probably very rare. Like, right. And also we're assuming more likely flat that these people, like maybe they saw and were like, that thing is 90 feet, but really it was a little bit of an optical illusion and it was closer than they thought. And this thing was 30 feet, you know? So Karen, we're not, you're taking a, a skeptical approach here. I'm shocked. Well, you know, having grown up boating on the lake, I think it is kind of hard sometimes to gauge how far away certain things are. Yeah. So that's the only reason I say that. But Bear Lake is only getting deeper because every time there's an earthquake, the basin of the valley drops a little bit and the mountains are pushed up. And so the lake continues to be renewed and presumably is only getting more comfortable for this big lake monster. But isn't that also so scary? I mean, all the geysers and stuff out there. I'm not scared of a lake monster. I'm not scared of the lake monster. I'm scared of the valley dropping during an earthquake. I'm, you know, there's so many things to be scared of. So let's choose all of them. <laughs> yeah. Where I think you choose all of them and I choose none of them. Except for cars. <laughs> cars is the one thing that I am like deathly afraid of. Yeah. You're you're afraid of staying on the surface and you want to go to like space and, and deep sea. <sighs> okay. Loch Ness's first monster sighting was in 565 AD. So year 565. Lake Champlain's first recorded was in 1609. But through the legends and stories told from the Iroquois people, the native people who live on Lake Champlain, they had legends of giant snakes in the water much longer than that. And in Bear Lake, it would appear that the Shoshone tribe has known about these creatures for a long time as well. As much as we can be like, uh, oh, perhaps there was some sort of event that triggered all these people to be so excited about, like maybe it was, I'm almost thinking about when we talk about the Salem witch trials and just the Puritans and their beliefs and certain things that triggered the idea that witchcraft, it, witches existed. And But you can't necessarily do that. You can't just say like, oh, the Mormon settlers had this belief in this small pocket and small community that triggered the existence of this lake monster because other people who lived there had seen it for decades and decades, if not centuries. And then we have multiple other examples of this from across the world, all in the Northern Hemisphere from the three examples I gave. But it would make sense. And also not to go... <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Do it. I was going to say Do not it. to go too far back in Earth's history, but it like is pretty far back. Pangea. Like we weren't connected, <laughs> we were, you know, not too long ago when we lived in Pangea, <laughs> but the, it was connected, you know, like where Loch Ness is in Europe and stuff was nestled into the North American landmass. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess everything was connected. So it's, maybe that's not a good, yeah. a, a good argument point. <laughs> Okay. You know what? We're, it's all hypothesizing anyway. It is. My mom actually I talked to her on the phone earlier and she 
was telling me that I was trying to present to her some conspiracy theories surrounding some things that have been in the news. And she was like, I don't like conspiracy theories. I just want the bullet points. I just want the facts. And I was like, yeah, but you have to theorize about things because we don't always know things. And also a lot of things that we felt like were too wild and outlandish 200 years ago are common knowledge now. And like, that's how it works. And she's like, I don't want to think about those things. Like, I really don't like it. And I was like, so you don't like science then? <laughs> I was being kind well, of... And also, I mean, your your mom also believes in the paranormal and there's no facts with that. Like, She said she just wants me to tell her ghost stories. She does not want my conspiracy theories. That's what she told me. Mm. So I was like, okay. Well, she raised a daughter who has many conspiracy theories. So good luck to her. I know. I was like, mom, I'll just say when things happen, now I'm going to have to call you and re-explain all the things I'm already trying to tell you as a warning. <laughs> she was like, then call me then. Call me then. I don't want to hear about it right now. She basically said, I'm old. Leave me alone. I just want to live out my life and not think about things too hard. That's what she said. I now picture you two like sitting in silence and you like kind of having to bite your tongue every time you talk. I was like, wow, you're really giving a big F you to the scientific method there, huh? And she was like, you trying to talk about science while also simultaneously trying to tell me a conspiracy (laughs) theory, Corinne. And I was like, it's contradictory. (laughs) anyway okay so the timing its existence the years of sightings and warnings from people from three completely different places i do believe that there's potential for a creature to be in bear lake and the locals have named it isabella they named it isabella yeah there was a competition i can't remember who held the competition but basically there was like a local competition held back in 1996 and a bunch of elementary school students pitched a bunch of names, I think, and named it, collectively named it Isabella, which I was like, that makes so much sense because Isabella was a very popular name in the 90s. So I love that they just were like, you know, there's probably five Isabellas in their class. They're like, that can be Isabella too. Could you imagine being in Isabella during that time and being like, so I share my name with a lake monster? Cool, 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 cool. They're like, there's a slimy, scaly, ugly creature lurking in the lake. What should we name it? And everyone's like, Isabella. It's bullying. And that's not cool. Elementary school students back in 1996. That was actually my favorite name. And I always wanted to name my child Isabella. And then my dad had twins with another woman and named one of them Isabella, who I love. She's my half sister and I love her. Is she the one that called you from the sleepover? There we go. Yeah. So Isabella, you still have a family member named Isabella. It's just not your own daughter. It's your, yes. your half sister. It's just not my own. Yeah. It's also funny because she's 10, I believe, and is now an aunt because my sister had a baby. And it's always funny to me because she called me at the sleepover to prove that she had a older sister because no one believed it. Because I'm now like she's going to have to 20 prove years older than her. But she's, that she's not. <laughs> Poor Isabella. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. These are her two truths and a lie. (laughs) Okay. There are also four species of fish in Bear Lake that are found nowhere else in the world, which I thought was really interesting because that makes me think like what other creatures are there that haven't been discovered yet. And a lot of researchers and scientists have been saying that there are other species like freshwater jellyfish or like other things in this lake that haven't necessarily been identified. So there's still a lot of exploring to do. And there's evidence that these four fish that only exist in Bear Lake 
also existed in ancient Lake Bonneville, which was in the same area about 18,000 years ago, closer to the Ice Age time. This lake had a massive flood. Closer and to Pangea. Closer to Pangea. Actually closer to us than probably Pangea at this point. Definitely. But closer than we are to Pangea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but around this time, there was a massive flood and then it began to dry up because it like overflowed and then it created all these other waterways. And it, then this this ancient Lake Bonneville started getting smaller and smaller. And because of all these series of events, a lot of animals went extinct, like giant ground sloth, mammoth, saber-toothed tiger. All of these things were here in this area. But others survived and adapted. Well, what's interesting to me is like, and I don't know much about these types of animals or nor their names. I'm thinking about some animals that specifically like water animals that can survive in water and but also like don't need oxygen and stuff. So like I'm thinking that these creatures have the ability to like almost burrow themselves and live even further below the bottom of the water that they can burrow under there. So maybe they are amphibian and fabulous because that's sort of what frogs do. They like bury themselves in and they hibernate in the middle of the mud. Yeah. And turtles, you like bury your turtle. Right. And so like if the water's dried up, they still could survive because they just go deep under in the soils that still have moisture of some kind. And then once the lake filled up again, they like pop their heads. That's interesting. And I honestly truly believe that you're onto something. And this doesn't necessarily mean that the adults had to survive when all these things happened. Perhaps they... Their ancestors. Yeah. Like it, it was really small versions of these animals that started out that survived. And then over the thousands of years that this lake has existed, it is only increased. But basically I give the example of... Or... <laughs> No, I'm just like going down conspiracy rabbit holes. Mom, fast forward. Or, <laughs> sorry, Deb. Um, you said not to. I'm going to, because of that, I'm going to do it more. <laughs> um, the, the, okay. And this is my conspiracy. You know, there's a lot of like conspiracies that the government has like all of these like technologies and like there's a ton of radiation and that they're disposing of nukes and things in places or hiding them that, they, the government, either disposed of some like radioactive chemical that increased the size of these monsters or like deep down, there's like something buried that the government knows about and it interacted with the chromosomes and the cells of these creatures and mutated like they do in superhero movies. I was and just thinking they are Spider-Man monsters. Spider-Man. I mean, something definitely could be happening deep down below. We really don't know. And a lot of researchers don't quite understand the bottom of this lake either, which I'll get into. But basically, okay, at the now, time... So sorry. I, I don't know what's going on with my brain right now. I can't sit still. I, I Maybe I'm just trying to distract myself. But you know the show Below Deck? Yeah. Here's my spinoff, Below Sea, and it's a cryptid show. Oh, I like this. Cryptid reality TV. I feel like this could easily be like a amazing anime series. Okay, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> All right, I'll shut up. Okay. Now I'm but listening. some very cool creatures that no longer exist that existed here 
are the giant ground sloth, mammoth, and saber-toothed tiger. There are many more, but others survived and adapted like these four fish that are now only found in Bear Lake, uh, bison, bighorn sheep, etc. But there are some species that were native to this region and North America. Oh, and another thing that I thought was so interesting. So we basically have like the giant ground sloth, mammoth, saber-toothed tiger. Those things don't exist anywhere. They're fully extinct. But there are some species that still exist. Except for on my Instagram. Because you're saber-toothed tiger. Mm -hmm. In this region, camels and musk oxen used to be like native to this land, apparently. And now we don't have them, right? Like people go over to the Middle East and Africa and South America to, to and like the, the cold, cold Arctics for those ox bison or oxen. Oh my God, I can't even, musk oxen. That's what I'm trying to say. But I thought it was so cool. I'm like, oh, we had so many cool animals. And it just makes me mad because we used to have penguins on the East Coast too and now we don't. So it does make me wonder, were these monsters actually dinosaurs or these prehistoric animals that survived maybe in another area and migrated over and adapted? Or were they already here and have just adapted over time? And I'm going to present to you some hard facts and scientific evidence. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is perfectly real. And I'm saying it in a way that makes it seem like it's not, but it is. Okay. So Deb will believe it. Deb better Deb believe it to this part or else she's telling Bill Nye that she doesn't love him. And that's inappropriate. Oh, Bill Nye. If you don't believe this, you are, if you don't believe in science basically, because this is real or Ross from friends will come and haunt you because there are many fossils <laughs> of large aquatic dinosaurs that have lived in this section of North America who look an awful lot like the descriptions that were given of the creature in Bear Lake. So there's plesiosaur, ichthyosaur, mosasaur. <laughs> I can't like even say these names. And elasmosaur. That's how you know it's facts. Yeah. And elasmosaurus who have the classic long neck. So the first three that I said, like the plesiosaur, Th- those ones they're like those big they look like giant whales basically with a crocodile mouth and fins they're those dinosaurs and then the elasmosaurus is the one that we think about a lot or at least i do with that's kind of like the same thing but it has a big long giraffe neck basically that comes out oh interesting i don't think i've seen that oh really if you've seen jurassic park you certainly yeah. have Okay, I have seen Jurassic Park, so I let imagine. me. I have. Go I ahead. will um, gr- grab some images and have these pictures pop up as the. But this I is really basically what this one I think looks like. Oh, okay, I have seen that. Yeah, it's like a turtle with a long, long neck. But those existed here. Like this is fact. Fossils have been found in the like Wyoming area and whatever. So we know that these animals did exist. Fabulous here. fossil facts. Fabulous fossil facts with two girls, one ghost. Love it. Now we're going back to the time that this article was published. Brigham Young, the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, was very intrigued by these stories. He was like, ooh, Lake Monster, I want to hear more. So he traveled along with other church leaders to speak to all of the locals who lived along the lake, who firmly and confidently shared their eyewitness accounts of the creature and what they knew of this beast. There were so many sightings from so many people that... Brigham Young and this whole group 
felt that the existence of a creature was indisputable. They're like, how could this many people have experiences with this creature? For the next two decades, people encountered these creatures and articles continued to be published, some reporting on new sightings, like a man who saw a monster, this this monster, I guess, one of the monsters, eat an animal on the shore in the middle of the night in 1873, and a man who set up 300 yards of rope into the lake to try to capture the monster for P.T. Barnum. Oh my gosh. And a lot of people were questioning the validity of all of these claims because there were a lot of sightings. So people were like, hmm, giant lake monster, a bit fishy, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So... Um, Well, yeah, and it's hard because I think when something like this is so in the zeitgeist and everyone is talking about it, I'm sure a handful of them are a bit false just based on humanity and sociology and psychology. Just, yeah, some people being like, I want in on this. So Mm -hmm. I saw it too. Agreed. But more sightings just kept coming. So in 1881, an entire group spotted in the distance, maybe three miles away, a light cream colored body with about 30 feet of it exposed moving quickly through the waters. Others who have spotted this creature say that it has scales and spikes along its back. But other people are like, no, 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 it's it's sleek and slimy and slippery. Most people say it's about 40 feet long though. That seems to be the average. Some people have said it's as short as six feet. The longest sighting that we have was that one guy who was like, it was 90 feet. Well, if there's many, they could be varied, you know? Right, totally. There was some mega 90-foot grandma dinosaur that took a trip to the grandma's babysitting and she does what you're not supposed to do, right? So she's like, come on, yeah. grandkids, we're going to have a great ice time. Cream. Let's go sneak to the top. Don't tell your parents. While people <laughs> talk about the Bear Lake monster as one monster, there have been multiple sightings of multiple monsters all at once. So obviously this isn't just the legend of one sea monster, but it, I feel like that only adds more validity to these claims because it's like, there's a species out there, right? Like there's multiple. Yeah, definitely. I fully believe that. Joseph Rich. So he's the one that originally posted the article. I was calling him by his, how he signed it. J-R-C. His, yeah. Yeah. J, J-C-R. Joseph J-C-R. C. Rich. So Joseph C. Rich the one who published the very first article chronicling the sightings, he actually recanted his statement and he said, quote, it was a wonderful world-class lie. But that was also 26 years after the original publication. Like he made it up or the people who told him the story? He was saying he made it up. So I don't know if he was just trying to like clear the association with his name or if maybe he embellished parts of the story it doesn't really make sense because the reports came before he published, like the, there's accounts before he published the story. The story wasn't necessarily the origin story of these sightings. I'm also curious because he quoted people, like there are people he said he spoke to. Like, I'm very curious if he those people names. were real. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, and if, okay, like j- let's just say, let's just say an article came out right now and one of our friends was quoted in it. I'd immediately go to my friend who's quoted in it and be like, oh my gosh, tell me more. And so I'm imagining back in the day, he releases this article. I'm sure all these people go to what's his name, who's or are mentioned in the article and they probably got verification and validation on the story. Whereas if it wasn't, those people would be coming out like, why do you use my name? Like, this is blasphemy. 
I know because part of me was like, okay, well, they they could have just made up names and maybe people wouldn't know because maybe not that many people followed, followed up with the story. But at the same time, this was a small settlement, right? Like this wasn't, this wasn't a community of 3 million people living in like the city right here. This was a really small settlement. It was a community. So I would assume that people, these would have been real people and real names, but I don't know. And we can't ever ask him because this was so long ago that he's definitely passed away since because the original article was in the 1800s. In 1907, a group witnessed a creature beeline towards them come up as they're basically, I think they were camping or something. So they had their, it was these two men, they had set up things on the side of the beach um, and they had a horse with them or at least at least one horse with them. And they watched this creature come up and at in unfathomable speed comes on shore, grabs their horse and starts like, like ripping it back and forth and lets out this awful howl and basically like rips in and rips apart this horse. Oh, horse. I know. Which reminds me of one of the sightings decades before where that guy said that he saw in the middle of the night it feeding on some creature on shore, which also reminds me of how the Shoshone people were saying, or at least according to these articles, that ever since the bison have been hanging out in the area, they don't really have problems with attacks in the water, which is basically just like maybe perhaps they feed on the bison on the shore. A little watering hole situation. Yeah. So people began noticing smaller versions of these creatures in the rivers and in the lakes. So now we're not just in Bear Lake. In the rivers too. Mm-hmm. People were wondering if there's some sort of underground channel connecting these bodies of water, allowing them to pass, if they were just able to somehow enter these streams of water. We don't really know, but based on what scientists know, they have an underground bunker that connects the rivers, the lakes, and the oceans, just like we will have to our homes. Okay, that's actually not not wrong. So, <laughs> so the science, science, there's a, a whole documentary you can watch. There's like a 25 minute long documentary you can watch with way more sightings and, and firsthand accounts from people um, on YouTube about Bear Lake Monster. And there's a lot of shorter clips too um, that you can find out there. But basically a bunch of researchers and scientists and specialists were interviewed in one of the documentaries that I was watching. And in this specific one, they said that they, they know that Based, or from what they know of, there are sinkholes and springs that exist basically on the bottom of the lake floor. That is what they believe could be there. So they were like, it's almost certain that there would also be plenty of caves based on the topography. So, okay. It's so very possible. I love this. Right? It's so, it's so interesting. So the sightings never stopped. So were flash forward 200 some years basically. And well, not that many years, I guess 50 years at this point. In 1937, a 400, I almost said a 400 year old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Four year old boy. He saw it. And then in 1946, a Boy Scout leader reported his sighting. 
And then in June of 2002, Brian Hershey was anchoring his boat on Memorial Day weekend, and he saw two humps come out of the water, followed by a serpent-like monster, which jumped in the air. And it was, quote, really dark, slimy green skin and deep beet red eyes, which sounds a lot like descriptions we've heard of Champ from Lake Champlain and Nessie from Loch Ness, sort of like the red beady eyes and the sliminess. Um, But one thing separates Isabella, the Bear Lake monster, and that is that some people have said that there are spikes and scales on its back, that it almost looks alligator-like. Oh, interesting. Makes me wonder if when people were saying they saw smaller versions of these things upstream, if maybe there are. So then then I started Googling, are there alligators in Utah and all this stuff? And no, answer's no. (laughs) So I don't know. So Brian Hershey's sighting is widely thought to be one of the most recent reported and public sightings of the Bear Lake Monster. And let's remember, these are just the people who came forward and publicly spoke about what they saw. So there's probably many, many more. And I know that there are because many of them are included in various reports. But there are multiple sightings more recently. One of them in 2018. Brent Branson and his daughter were out on their boat together and the boat was just stopped. You know, they were just floating, bobbing, enjoying the great outdoors, relaxing on the water. And then Brent notices about 30 yards away and he's sitting in the driver's side seat of his boat. And he sees out in the distance, 30 yards away, there appears to be this big, long white cap. And that is something I will say came up in a lot of the eyewitness reports that I was reading was these rogue waves where there appears to be no boat around. So when you were saying, wouldn't people notice all the waves? Wouldn't people see the big waves? They do. They often. do. Yes. But there were no boats around when this big, long white cap was happening that Brent was seeing. So he's kind of like staring at it, just observing it. And then he spots something come out of the water. And his daughter now spots it too. And she's like, dad, what is that? His daughter said, quote, at first I thought it must be a boat because of the sudden wake in the waves that we saw out of nowhere. And then I thought it was one of those giant long tubes that people ride on, except black. Then I saw it come up out of the water and go back down like a huge black shiny serpent. I could see two different parts of its body at the same time going up and down, then disappearing into the water as if it was serpentine up and down. My dad and I both said, oh my gosh, did you see that? And then we both saw it again together. So then they're freaked out. They didn't know about this monster at all also while they were out here. So they get back into the, well, they never got out of their boat, but in their boat, they drive back to the marina and they're still quite flustered from their sighting. And so Brent tells the guys at the marina and he's like, hey, like this is what I saw. This was so bizarre. And one of the men that he was talking to, his man looks over at the wall and basically kind of directs his Brent's attention and his daughter's attention to this newspaper article that I don't know if it was framed or it was just like hanging up on the wall, but it was this article from 2013 about a Bear Lake monster sighting. And so Brent and his daughter were like, what? We've never heard of this thing. So his daughter searches images of it and like, you know, drawing depictions from people's sightings. And they were freaked out because it was exactly like what they had seen. That's so wild. I know. While not all sightings are reported and not all reported sightings make the public news, there are many residents who will admit to seeing this lake monster, the Bear Lake Monster, and many who have spotted it recently. If you visit Bear Lake, 
You can take a 45-minute scenic cruise and hear all about the folklore, quote-unquote. Or if you don't want to get into the water, on the water, you can grab a raspberry milkshake, which apparently they're very famous for, (laughs) post up on a bench along the water, and just look out for any off shapes, rogue waves, strange shadows along the water's surface. And you might just see... I'm down. The Bear Lake Monster. Let's go. Okay. I'm down. I'm down okay. to have a milkshake and go on a boat tour. <laughs> that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll, I'll need a restroom after that, but you know. Go in the water. <laughs> <laughs> then have the Bear Lake Monster really kill me. They're, they're like, how You're the dare bait. you pollute <laughs> our waters with your <sighs> disgusting, uncontrollable bowels? Or maybe they'll like it because they'll like it. They're like, "Mm, good soup. (laughs) I was going to say like secondary uh, raspberry smoothie. They're like, Uh, I've been wanting to try this. Yum. The raspberries. All the locals were talking about this. No one's ever offered it to me. Never had the opportunity. (laughs) I I don't really know enough about the Loch Ness Monster. I feel like just about Champ. And I feel like one of the things that kind of sets apart, at least from my knowledge, the Bear Lake Monster is how often it snatches people and animals from shore. Like, it it seems like it's very much a predator, right? Like, it's not just munching on some seaweed at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, snakes eat other animals, right? So, like, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I, I can't judge. It's surviving. It's thriving. It's fabulous. So... It's amphibious and fabulous. <laughs> that is maybe my favorite phrasing ever. <laughs> amphibious was, and fabulous. It was in such a serious line too, which is like this whole article was so serious. And it was like, what is this thing? Do you think it's this? Do you think it's this? And then it was like amphibious and fabulous. I don't really know what <laughs> fabulous meant back then. Maybe it was something more peculiar. <laughs> No, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm curious what what sort of listener story you pulled for a topic like this. Okay, so I did pull two because I when I because I didn't do any reading about Bear Lake Monster specifically, so I I picked one that combined a bear and a lake, and then I picked another one that is uh, Bigfooty. Bigfootian. Okay, lovely. Okay, this is from our listener, Ash, and it's called Something Outside My Tent. Hello, ghouls. I'm Ash and just recently found your podcast. I've been loving it. And once I saw your encounters episodes, I wanted to share my scary story. When I was eight or nine, me and my family lived in a very wooded area in New Hampshire. And since my dad is an outdoorsman, he would take me and my brother on all sorts of adventures, including camping in the middle of nowhere. On one of these trips, we took our canoe and paddled to an island in the middle of a lake. And we're talking an hour or more just to reach it. So we're pretty far away from shore and very far away from civilization. It was a beautiful spot and we set up camp. But that night I woke up to a scratching sound. I was young and scared of the dark. So I left my flashlight on so I could see perfectly well. When I opened my eyes, I saw that my tent was being pushed up against. Like someone was leaning against it. It was shifting in its spot and it was making a swishing sound whenever it moved, scraping against the tent. Like, you know, like the, I'm imagining. Yeah, the like neoprene sound. Yeah. Yeah. The two fab, like fabric. Um, fabric on friction. fabric. 
fabulous fabric on fabric. Whoa, see, <laughs> fabulous fabric on fabric. Just some alliteration. My first thought was it's a bear because that area had seen quite a few black bears and I had seen them before while living there. But this thing stayed in the spot, leaning against my tent for what felt like hours. Me, too scared to cry out to my snoring dad, who was not too far away in his own tent, just laid there, daring not to move. After a while, I heard what sounded like something crunching on wood, like when you give your dog a stick and it starts chewing. Still, I didn't move or make any sound. Eventually, I just fell asleep again, with this thing still there, leaning against the tent. Crazy, I know, but there was nothing I could do, and I was eight. Not like I could take on a black bear. When I woke up again to the sun rising that morning, the thing was gone. My tent was back to normal. Still shaking, I unzipped my tent and went to check where it had been on the side of my tent. There was nothing. No chewed up wood. Nothing. I woke up my dad and told him everything that happened last night, and he and the rest of my family do not believe me. They were like, you would have screamed or something, but I swear it happened. What? I had been camping countless times before and after, and after, and never had it happen again. So I still wonder what on earth it could have been, if not a bear. I hope you girls like my story. Have an awesome day. Bye, Ash. Okay, so big Bigfoots or bears or some sort of creature enjoy wood for treats, I guess? Chomp it on something. It's interesting because the leaning against the tent is strange. Because, you know, like we all like to lean back and relax but i'm imagining like a tent is yes it's staked into the ground but if it's a bear or bigfoot those are heavy creatures leaning against a tent to me like i imagine the tent caving in or yeah like i can't imagine it supports something that big unless the tent yeah i yeah we almost need more information on where exactly the tent was because if it was like immediately next to a tree or something and it was leaning on the tree but that part of its leg was brushing up against the tent because otherwise why wouldn't it yeah, fall I don't through know. unless it's this wispy little demon and it's basically <laughs> weightless or it's floating there's fabulous amphibians and then there's wispy little demons wispy little demons <laughs> they're so thin i love it <laughs> they're so wispy they're the wispiest yeah i don't know i mean i'm just glad that Honestly, I think anytime that happens, leaving your tent is probably like the scariest thing to think about or even do. So I'm glad that Ash stayed and was fine. And we believe you. We believe something happened. We believe something was leaning on your tent. My second story is from H and it is called Bigfoot is Real and my family has the story to prove it. Hi, ladies. My name is H. I'm a new listener and have been listening for a couple of months now. My favorite episodes are the encounters, specifically anything about Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. I'm in love with your podcast. And to keep my drooling over you guys short, I just want to say you're amazing. I live in Alberta, Canada, but I'm from Vancouver Island and I spent a large portion of my life there. If you're familiar with the location, you'll know that Vancouver Island is the hotspot for Bigfoot sightings. There must be something in the water because I don't think I can name anyone from there who hasn't had an encounter themselves or have a family or friend encounter Bigfoot. Corinne, you're moving to Vancouver Island, I think. I think so too. I was just thinking that. I was I was about to space out because I was like, note to self, look up Picture Airbnbs, it. look at long-term vacation rentals, figure <laughs> out a way to get myself there and see something. Well, Corinne, this is for you. Uh, that's what H says. 
To set the scene, here's a little backstory on my life growing up on Vancouver Island. My dad worked on the mountain that housed a popular ski resort, and my mom was a waitress at a small diner. We grew up snowshoeing the backcountry in winter and hiking the trails and adventuring the logging roads in the summertime. Our family was very into the outdoors, and my dad would take us out any chance he could. My earliest memories are exploring the mountain, learning about avalanches, and sitting in the small ski hut as a baby watching him and his buddies. Because, you know, babysitting in the 90s was interesting, to say the least. (laughs) Growing up in a small town on the North Island, everyone knew everyone. My dad was well known in the community from his work at the mountain, along with summer work at a fishing lodge. So his friend group was extensive. This story has been told through our family for years. It's the first story that ever made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Bigfoot is effing real, and my family has the story to prove it. You can share my name along with the names of others in this story. I have changed them to keep their privacy. When I was younger, we had a family that we spent a lot of time with. You know, the family friends that you actually refer to as family and thought you were actually your family only to grow up and realize there is no relation. (laughs) So to us, they were family. One night we were over visiting them when my uncle Tom told us all a story from years prior. I'm now 25, so this story dates back around 35 years. This story takes place on a small lake just west of Forbidden Plateau, a popular location on the island for infamous Bigfoot sightings. And here's a quick tidbit about the location and its history. Long ago, war was brewing for the Comox First Nations, and the men sent women and children to the Forbidden Plateau to hide. The women and children were never seen again. All that was found was snow-stained red. The legend in history is that there were two different culprits, an unknown tribe or a Sasquatch. From then on, the location got its name Forbidden Plateau. Here we go. My Uncle Tom was camping one weekend with his buddies. They went out for some fun and adventure to a small cabin in the woods. It was a hike to get into as it's not a populated area. So they had no vehicles close by and hiked in with the backpacks, food, and anything else they needed. The day went on. They were enjoying nature, the gorgeous scenery, and the great company. A couple cold beers going around, nothing but a bunch of dudes in the Canadian wilderness. The day turned into night, and my uncle and his buddies were starting to get hungry. So they made hot dogs with the fire. Night uncovered a blanket of peace over them all that night. Sitting around the fire, eating their hot dogs, they were in the middle of conversation when they heard a loud howl in the distance. My uncle describes the howl like something out of your worst nightmare. Deep, blood-curdling, and full of anger. They all jumped unsure of what they all heard or if they were imagining it. Looking at each other in awe, they laughed it off as maybe a cougar because they were active in those areas. They got back into conversation when in the distance they heard crashing, like trees being ripped limb from limb. My uncle, being the macho guy he is, stood up and yelled into the forest, get out of here, (laughs) only to be met with another howl, but much, much closer this time. I do not like that. I'm, I was also almost picturing like a werewolf where it's just like galloping like <clears throat> on all fours, getting closer and closer. To them. Yeah. Puzzled, they stood in fear. Minutes went by, which turned into nearly an hour. Nothing, no sounds, no crashing. Back to silence. Around the fire, they laughed at each other for being so afraid and returned to fun. Talking about life, telling jokes, being dudes in the woods. My uncle got up and wanted to see what would happen if he knocked on wood. Wood knocking is what we grew up knowing as a clear indication of Bigfoot in the area. A large piece of wood would be banged hard against a tree, sending an echoing sound into the surrounding forest deep and loud. Each knock startling the group. He kept going. Knock. 
knock, knock. Then he listened for a moment and knocked again. Knock, 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 nothing. He sat back down. Then, just as they began to talk to one another, the peace and quiet was met with loud knocks back. Knock, knock, knock. They heard in the distance. Then a pause. Then again. Knock, knock, knock. Scared shitless, they got up out of their chairs and stood frozen in time yet again. This was real. Looking at each other, they turned around and booked it into the cabin. As they got through the cabin doors and the door closed behind them, the door muffled the sound of a deep howl. Oh, God. Close to them, accompanied by crashing trees. You're right. It is like running. Ew! I love Bigfoot, but not here. This is so scary. They stood frozen in fear, not sure what to do because they had no escape route, no vehicles for kilometers. So they just waited. The crashing stopped and was back to silence again. When suddenly something hit the door to the cabin and hit it hard. It was not a body, but from the window, they could see a piece of wood clearly taken from a falling tree, jagged at both ends, just laying on the ground outside of the door. One of his friends ran to the box in the shed that housed old tools and found nails. He then used his shoe to hammer nails into the door, locking them inside, but better to be locked in than whatever was outside trying to get in. Minutes passed, everyone frozen with fear, not a word said by any. They stood waiting. Then again, a large piece of wood was wailed at the cabin, this time at the back. Then again, they heard heavy objects hitting the cabin to the left. Boom. Then a moment would go by. Then something would hit the front. Boom. Then these sounds, sounds ringing in their ears as they battled fight or flight. And thank God they chose freeze. Howling could be heard as it echoed through the trees, up the mountains around them and into the valleys below. Howl after howl, each one just as close as the other. Then silence, nothing at all, not a sound in the woods, but wind through tree branches. Unsure of what they encountered, not a soul talked, but they all thought the same exact thing. Bigfoot. They didn't sleep that night, and then when night turned into day and sun washed in through the windows of the cabin, they decided let's pack up and go. They pried open the door, and they opened it into daylight just to be met with the aftermath of their fearful night. Around the cabin were large pieces of trunks of trees, jagged on either end, dense around the cabin from the tree trunks being thrown at the cabin with such force. Trees around the cabin broke completely in half, scattered around, showing the path made by whatever was present around them at night. They hiked out, returning to their vehicles, never to enter that location again. When asked what my uncle thought was there that night, he said without hesitation and with fear in his eyes, Bigfoot. The words coming out of him like poison. It's clear the night haunts him. There are many that don't believe this story and think it's just another told to scare listeners. But my uncle, a religious man, tells the story with fear, each word broken by shallow breathing, and he turns white like a ghost every time he tells it. I like to think that Bigfoot and his family of other foots, oh, I love that, other foots, <laughs> were having dinner, enjoying a lovely meal in their den when they smelled the delicious smell of hot dogs, and my uncle decided to start some shit with them. Dadfoot was mad and had to take care of the problem for momfoot and the babyfoots and was ready to F Uncle Tom's day up for ruining their nice meal. How dare Uncle Tom mess up the Bigfoot dinner party? <laughs> so that's how my family has come to know Bigfoot personally. I'm a believer and have been since I could talk. Thankful to say that Bigfoot is a long-standing part of my life. 
My father and I share news stories, videos, castings, and more with one another. I haven't had any stories up in Alberta, but I return to Vancouver Island yearly, each time watching my back as I traverse down mountains and hike old logging roads I grew up on. I know they're out there. You can read my story on the pod, and if you do, I'll probably pass out because Bigfoot is life. Stay safe. <laughs> don't knock back at Bigfoot. See you on the other side. H. Oh my God. H. Wow. I'm blown away. I want to be invited over for a month long stay, and I want to go Bigfoot hunting with you. I want to go find castings. I want to go knock on trees and then run for my life into a castle. Okay, here's here's my pitch, Kryn. Right now, like the the live action Little Mermaid just came out. So we should start a live action opposite of Little Mermaid where it's you and I want to be where the cryptids are. And we post videos of us singing our rendition of that song. To all the various cryptids. But from the locations where I they are on megaphones. Bigfoots are. Do you hear us? You know where I don't want to be? Out in the where woods. Where the mermaids are. Stomping, climbing, hairy as beasts and the... Wow. This was Munching on wood. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if the last email was any indication, maybe they just use it as a little toothpick, a little palate cleanser between their meals. But it is so... I mean, it's just so wild that I get it. I get that Uncle Tom, he was taunting what they would view as taunting and threatening behavior, right? Because we don't know Bigfoot language. So maybe knocking on the trees and doing that sort of thing is very much like an aggressive move. Kind of like when you smile and point at a monkey. And we think of that as like, ha ha ha, like fun and funny, humorous. But monkeys are like, oh my gosh, a vicious attack. What if to Bigfoot, yeah. that is something that's like a vicious attack. It's like a, an attempt at taking over a territory that, belongs to these other big foots and other foots, right? So I understand the aggression and the strength and and the display of aggression with the knocking of the trees and banging on the house. Like if Bigfoot wanted to get in there, the fact that it snapped trees in half, it could have, right? I understand nailing the door shut. If that cabin had windows, it would have gotten in. It could have used I imagine it did. They, they said they looked out and saw the piece of wood out front. So like it could have one, like it intentionally didn't break in. It intentionally was just trying to scare them. It was yeah. a warning because if it wanted to break in, it would have broken in. And also I, could have, I asked yeah, to Uncle easily. Tom and to the rest of the group, what was your plan if Bigfoot had broken in through a window and you could no longer use the door because you bolted it shut? Good question. Trapped in Doubt there. they thought it through. <laughs> no, it's fear. You're so fearful. Wow. Oh my God. I want to go to Vancouver Island. <laughs> I'm going to dream well, of this place. We've got a lot of trips to make. Bear Lake, Forbidden, what was it? Forbidden, Forbid Forbidden Plateau. And we have to be amphibious and fabulous. Everyone here is amphibious and fabulous. You're so great. Thriving to be. We love you so much. So great. Love you lots. You know the spiel. Follow us on socials. Yeah, you got all the spiel. Um, and thank you so much to our editor, Christina, for editing the show. And thank you to all of you for listening to us. And we will see, see you on the, the other, other side. side.